welcome to the Healthy Gospel Church podcast, a podcast where we explore all aspects of church life while also shining a spotlight on good practice in your local church. My name is David Meredith, I'm the Mission Director for the Free Church of Scotland based in Edinburgh and I'll be your host. If you like what you hear, then please like, share and subscribe. Spread the news. So our first episode of the new series is an absolute treat. Um, we've got one of my friends, one of my colleagues, Derek Lament. Derek, uh, good to have you with us on the podcast. How are you doing today? Great, thanks. Enjoying this spring-like weather for the first time this year. So, in good form. Excellent. Okay, for the, the listeners, many of you will know who Derek is. Others will not know who he is. He's been in the ministry you know, about 35 years now, maybe even longer. Started off as an assistant minister up in the Highlands, a church called Roskeen. Apprenticed to the, the famous Kenny MacDonald. And then he was senior minister in Roskeen. And then he moved down to St. Columbus in the year 2000. And he's been there for going on 24 years. And he's moving on to plant a new church in Edinburgh, a church called Hope Church, down in Leith. Um, Derek, tell us just a wee bit of a story of how you transitioned from St. Columbus down to Hope Leith. Thanks, David. Yeah, um, it's like all these things, it's a, it was an evolving story where God's revealing little bits at a time. But we had for a number of years said to everyone that we would like to move on when I uh, hit 60 uh, from St. Columbus. I think that's uh, obviously recognising God's plan and all, but, um, and God's uh, guidance. But we felt that uh, 23, 24 years was long enough in one place that uh, a strategic church like St. C's needed some younger blood to take over the leadership with new ideas, new vision, and to carry on and develop what, what had happened over the last couple of decades. So we had it in our mind to, to do something different. Um, I guess as time went on, we realised that I don't have much of a set, set of skills other than, than what I've been doing uh, for my career, as it were. Um, and uh, just over a series of conversations and prayers and, and uh, discussions, um, we realised that uh, there was a possibility of being involved in a, a church plant down in, in Leith, the congregation there. Uh, were very small, mainly elderly, uh, and it was at the stage where they wouldn't be able to call a minister and we'd probably have to close. Um, and we felt there was an opportunity there um, to develop a new work. Uh, initially, we'd, go, we'd gone in and uh, we'd suggested to various uh, ministry couples um, that we would uh, go in as a supportive elder and wife uh, and that they would lead the plant, but... Uh, the people we approached didn't think that was a great idea. <laughs> so uh, when that transpired, we decided, well, let's give it a go ourselves. We prayed about that and we felt that's where God was leading. And uh, that's what we did. And we asked the presbytery what they thought. And then as we do in the free church, it moved on to the mission board and uh, we got the green light. So that's what has brought us to where we are today. Brilliant. Uh, a bit like Jürgen Klopp, although Jürgen Klopp said he'd run out of energy, hadn't he? That's certainly not the case of you. But, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I sympathise with that. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it right that sometimes, so, you know, this was my, my own situation, sometimes you, you just feel that the chapter's over, um, it's time to, to move on, and, you know, it's time to move on probably at 
you, you can stay too long, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's God's work and it's God's kingdom and we mustn't be possessive. And I think it's very important to, uh, I, I felt it was very important in our context anyway to do things smoothly and uh, communicatively, strongly, that people knew what was on the plan, that we'd committed to God, that obviously he could have made things different, but we were open to that. But that we wanted also to to try as best as we could to have a smooth transition from Cincy's uh, with our, uh, taking on Corey as the assistant and uh, recognising the congregation's choice all the way through, but hoping that that would be something that they would see as wise and uh, productive moving forward. And uh, certainly it looks that way. And we're very glad about that. Absolutely. Now, at least what we in the trade call a brownfield site, a brownfield church plant, we'll maybe talk about that later. But can you just, what's the big picture for Hope Leith? Um, well, for example, we're, we're calling it Hope Church Leith. So you've got a name now. What What's the big picture about a name, strategy, buildings, that sort of stuff? And how, where are you going to begin? Or how have you begun? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's slightly, it's, it's kind of a church plant that's kind of not in a sense. We're at the, a privileged position of having a building and a manse, although we've sold the manse, which was in Musselburgh, and uh, we're just we're getting one in Leith because we want to be in the community. But um, So we've got a building, so many, not many plants are starting with a building. Um, so we reckon the building's very strategic where it is, and we plan to do a lot of work in the building and with the building, uh, and invite the community into it uh, during the week as well, obviously, for worship. So we're renovating the building um, to make it accessible and uh, uh, a more practical resource for, for that. Um, so that's really, in a sense, the first thing we're doing. And once we get a house uh, and are settled in, then we'll work with our core team to develop that whole thinking. Um, I'm very we feel increasingly strongly that it will be a family-oriented church in terms of seeing everything from a seeing the church as a family, um, and so we want to make the church like a big home, a big house, a big uh, dwelling place. We don't want to make it a formal building. We want to make it comfortable and warm, and informal, and uh, somewhere that people would feel relaxed coming to. Okay, that's a great image because, you know, there's lots of models of church. A, a dominant one just now is the church as a schoolroom, a church as a lecture room, you know, where you just sit and you mm. receive in, information. But this idea, uh, and certainly in, in our own culture, where there's a lack of a sense of, of belonging, could that sound, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you feel about this, but folk talk often talk about my church family I, I have to be honest I have a wee cringe at that uh, it sounds a wee bit like a cult um, do you have that same cringy reaction? Uh, no not really, I, I, we, we made a point of talking about the church community uh, or the church family it's very, I mean, it's very, I think deliberately it's very biblical, I found nearly all the epistles that Paul speaks about is brothers and sisters and uh, talks about fathers in the faith and uh, mothers in the faith and yeah. uh, how we all interact with one another I guess it can always be uh, uh, misinterpreted from those on the outside to be a bit cultic, but I think 
no, I, I think it's a, a good and a, a warm term, actually. Okay. Can you understand, though, you know, you've got maybe a family who are not believers who don't get it, and, you know, their daughter comes home and starts talking about their church family. Um, you know, from an outside perspective, can you not see that that can sound a little bit weird? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I think you would just be wise about how you uh, use that terminology. Like any church terminology, you need to be careful about how you use it and in what context. Um, I think there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot of other terminology that I'd be much more concerned about using. Okay. <laughs> uh, because I think generally family is understood by people and they they get it. Um, uh, yeah. Right. We spoke earlier about you know brownfield planting and greenfield planting. You've hinted already at one of the differences. You've you've got you know some some assets. You've got a church. You've got a manse. Um, what, what's the difference between that and a total greenfield? And is any one easier than the other? No, I don't think there's there's. I don't think it's a case of measuring it in terms of ease or difficulty. I think. Um, uh, some of the the differences are what we've mentioned. Also, there's a there'll be a historic uh, presence in the community in Leith. I mean, a lot of people know about Leith Free Church in, in Leith. Uh, I've still obviously getting to know the community. Always lived on the south side, but um, you know, a lot of people do recognise uh, the name and know about the church. It's in a small street where there are a number of churches and it seems to be quite well known. So there's that side. That, I mean, that can be positive and negative, of course, in, in, in the eyes of, of others. But um, I, I do think the fact that it's been there for a long time uh, gives it a, a status, and especially in Leith, which has got its own uh, very uh, clear identity as a community that's separate from Edinburgh. So something that's been there a long time and has got a bit of kudos with it. Uh, so I think that helps. I think there's also the history of, of the people there. There's the support of the, the the few who were left who mainly have joined um, other churches nearer to their homes for ease of, uh, for convenience. Um, but they've been amazingly supportive and uh, encouraging. And I think that's a, a bonus and a benefit as well. Um, and maybe in the, in Within the free church, within a wider free church context, there's a bit of um, traction because it's a known church and people are happy that uh, we're not closing our church and leaving it closed, but we're, we're, we're re, reinvigorating the whole context, as it were, or, tra- or, or hoping to, uh, with God's help. Oh, okay, but I guess, I mean, there's a, when I say controversy, that's overplaying it a little bit, but a little bit of pushback on the fact that uh, the church was was closed down 18 months, two years. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in Paisley, for example, and exactly the same thing's happened. We, we've closed that down. We're hoping to to restart it. Um, is, is that always... I mean, why, why why do we do that? Why do we close the church down and leave it fallow, as it were, for a couple of years sometimes and, and restart it? What's the advantages in that? Well, I I think I, I think there's a good agricultural advantage. We do that to the ground uh, as we leave it fallow, and it re, reinvigorates itself. And that, that's obviously not not a very good example. But I think that sometimes uh, it, it gives the opportunity for something to close well and celebrate what was done, um, and recognise that it's now a different chapter, and that to reach out and to to be in mission is going to be hard and. Um, challenging and uh, it will need to be different in some ways 
uh, not saying better, but just different because we're, we're looking to reach out to an unreached people. Uh, and that sometimes is difficult to do if you've been in a church for 40 or 50 years and it's been done the same way. And there can be a great upheaval and, and that can be very disconcerting for, for people. So I think sometimes for the remaining congregation, it might, it, it's still painful, but I think it's easier maybe to for themselves to make a fresh start and almost support from the sidelines um, rather than be engaged in, in, in that. Having said that, uh, those who were connected with Leith um, obviously were very welcome and are very welcome to, to remain part of uh, what we're doing moving forward. And indeed some are. Yeah, I mean, I think it was really good the way it was closed down because, you know, last Easter, Easter 23, there was a final service, wasn't there? And there was an air of celebration at that, thanking God for what had happened. So I, I, I didn't make it to that service. I don't know if if you were there. There was a hint of celebration. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was great. Yeah, it was great. And past ministry uh, colleagues were there and, and spoke and spoke of good times in the past and and the blessings that uh, Leith had been to many people. Uh, and I thought that was a really significant and uh, um, the, the, exactly the right thing to do uh, for the congregation. Because yeah. we often we don't, or not just we, but churches don't close down churches well. Uh, they don't see it as, as, you know, sometimes something to celebrate and to look at in the new beginning. It was, you know, take the Easter metaphor, isn't it? You know, it's buried and then we, we hope it will rise again. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, an image I often use is, you know, you're taking the one set of software out and you're putting a new set of software in. Uh, do you think that's, that's fair enough, just a different ministry model, different approach? Or or have I got to think of a different yeah. metaphor? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's that's right in a sense. Um, we're, we're looking to, at least a, a huge area, and it's, it's a huge population, um, and we really want to develop uh, a work that will be focused on reaching out to that community and recognising that, uh, you know, there's a lot of social deprivation and that we've got um, connections through Katrina's work with Sparkle Sisters that we hope to develop that, yeah, it probably will be a different, it'll look very different, it'll not probably just quite the same as what um, many people are used to. Um, but we just want to go out with the gospel and see people converted and then disciple them. And that's really that's really what we want to do, whatever that will look like. And obviously, there's not a lot of uh, there, there's a core a core focus in all of that in terms of discipleship and worship. But uh, we want it to be uh, attuned to the people that that God brings in. Yeah, I mean, you just give me another idea for a podcast. We're going to have to get Katrina in here to talk about Sparkle Sisters because most of us won't know what Sparkle Sisters is, but they will know after our podcast with um, Katrina. Okay, um, church planting. We love church planting as a denomination. We're you know halfway through our thirty by thirty program. There are some cynics out there. So yeah, it's all about church planting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's unfair. I think it's wrong. It's not all about church planting. But how can church planting help the wider church? I think it's uh, uh, it's symbiotic, isn't it? That, that we, we should all be helping each other. Um, I don't see any um, competition or uh, yeah challenges that way. I think uh, it's a 
New Testament commission that, that just is the model of the New Testament in terms of reaching out, in terms of mission. And uh, it's just ABC for me. Um, but it's not ABC at the expense of, of anything else. It's absolutely we value and entirely and completely what's, what exists and what is there and what needs to be developed and matured. You know, I've been involved in in churches in, in the north and in the south and uh, even since, you know, coming to or starting off in Leith, I had the great privilege of just sending out information to churches throughout Scotland, small and big, uh, and asking for uh, prayer support and any practical support. And it's been just hugely encouraging that I've found it uh, to be supported by churches up and down the country. And I hope we can, and the day will come when we'll be able to support other churches. So I think it's... Uh, and maybe people are afraid of new things, are always afraid of change. Um, but that's the Christian uh, life, isn't it? Our Christian life is one of transformation and change. We can't stay the same, and we can't uh, we can't just fossilize. It's, it, change is in our very core um, towards Christ. Obviously, it's towards Christ, and uh, we need. A, stop being afraid of change or stop associating change with a dilution of, of the gospel and and be confident and bold in, in the gospel because uh, that's where our, that's where our boldness and that's where our confidence and our security lies there's nowhere else we're not trying to be trendy or or hip far from it. I'm 60 for goodness sake um, um, so there's there's not much uh, not much trendy at 60 let me tell you Although I do have a free bus pass and I can go in the trams, I love it. Brilliant. I mean, your your former congregation gathered city centre, largely professional student, um, Leith, community-based. Um, it's a difficult area to define Leith, isn't it? But are you are you think you're, you're going to have to rethink your strategy yourself? Or are you taking these few months just to think things out yourself or are you are you good to go? Will, will your approach down at Hope Leith be different to your approach at St. C's? I think inevitably, wherever you are, your approach is different because you're dealing just with, with what uh, ends up uh, in front of your face um, and that will sometimes bring different challenges Um and undoubtedly, that will be the case. I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't have any great strategy at the moment. Uh, I'm going to spend time just getting to know the the area. We're going to try and define a smaller area in which to work in Leith, because as you say, it's it's a huge area, massive area, um, and we're going to try and build connections and and, and just get a, the heartbeat of of the community at that level. Um, at a basic level, ministry is the same wherever you are. It's it's about loving God and loving people, which is the encouraging part of it. Um, and being yourself. Uh, I'm not going to go in and try and be a leather, uh, and I'm not going. I'm just going to be myself and and you know share the gospel and and love people as much as I can. Um, so no, no, there's no great strategy at the moment, um, and. You know, some people, some people have already asked. You know, have you started Sunday services? Is well, no, not yet. Um, and I think people need to recognise that uh, it's important not to just just start a Sunday service. I think we want to do a lot of preparation work before that. And after 34, 34, 34 years of ministry, I think it's a valuable time for me as well to hopefully receive under other people's preaching 
uh, for a little while until we get things sorted out. Although having said that, I've already been asked to preach quite a lot in different places, but that's okay. Yeah, because... Am I right in saying again that there's no one type in Leith? I mean, you'll get affluent professionals in the waterfront, you'll get creatives, you'll get old school Leithers, you'll get folk with addiction problems, you'll get young couples with starter flats. Would you agree that it's it's an incredibly diverse area? It is uh, incredibly diverse, and I I don't think for a moment we're going to be able to uh, reach all these groups. Um, but what I do think is, is quite important is that it is uh, multicultural in the widest sense and uh, multi-generational. Um, I know that, that it's hip and trendy to think about um, reaching only one kind of uh, type of people, one community of people, but I think the gospel at its best uh, transcends that. So we could have some hip and happening uh, new leithers and some old-time leithers, some people from social deprivation backgrounds and some people who are up-and-coming professionals. That would be a beautiful picture of of the gospel, and not only, obviously, Scottish people, because it's a, it's a multiracial uh, community as well, and that presents... Lots of uh, opportunities. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the kind of people God's going to lead us to. You, you've been involved in lots of ministries, Derek, types of ministries, real variety. You started off in, as an assistant um, up there in, in Allness. Again, Allness is, is probably not rural, uh, but it, it's northern uh, city centre. You've been in large congregations, small congregations. In your life, you've been associated with lots of different churches. Again, you hinted, is it fair to say that all churches share basically the same challenges and require the similar gift set? Yeah, I mean, yeah, at a general level, that's that's absolutely right. I think, you know, God places people in, in certain situations because he knows their giftings better than they know themselves and uh, he knows the congregations. But I think at a, a wider basic level, um it's actually very simple. Uh, the gospel is really simple, and uh, we need to beware of becoming too corporate in our thinking in terms of uh, who fits where and, and what is the right kind of person. Again, I go back to saying: if you love God, if you love people, and if you yourself, you'll do all right wherever you go. Um, you might, you might not. You know, it might not be your. Uh, to be honest, St. Columbus City Centre was not what I wanted to do when I went 21, uh, 24 years ago. It, it wasn't what I felt was my uh, calling. Well, it was my calling, but I didn't feel it was what naturally that I, what I, want, I liked. I loved what we were doing, the community and, and close community with people in the Highlands. Uh, and to be in a city centre gathered congregation wasn't what I really had ever envisaged, especially not my dad's old church. Um, so... God often has different ideas, and I sometimes think God's got a bit of a sense of humour because, well, I know He has, but I'm I'm not a, you know, I'm not a uh, academic sort of high flying bloke, and yet He said He planted me in a place that was full of professionals and academics and things like that, and it it was it's quite funny really um, how God works, and uh, I I defer to His wisdom on that. 
Well, I don't buy into the daft laddie concept. You're as bright as the rest of them, so uh, let's take that. Okay, uh, just want to move on. I mean, you've got one or two strings to your bows. One of the things that you are involved in is chaplaincy. Yeah, both you and Katrina are involved in chaplaincy. Um, I, I wanted to, to comment on that. Okay, it's, it's not church. You don't do sacraments. It's not a kind of normal church environment. The... Established movement says that, you know, church is the big thing for mission. Just comment how you found chaplaincy helpful and does it kind of go alongside church work? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's a, a, a good question. For me, it's been tremendous because when you're a minister, you tend, unless, well, when you're younger and if you're married and get family, you'll meet a lot of people through school and parents and, and that's where... I, I guess a lot of our kind of personal evangelism was worked out uh, in that context. And we've got many friends who are not in the church um, that we love and pray for who are uh, from that context. But when you get to a certain age, that passes. And the, when, when all our kids left school, uh, I had very little opportunity to mix and interact with unbelievers um, and be in the real world, as it were, now. You can argue whether football is the real world or not, but it's real in terms of of being uh, the world of of ordinary uh, working people with staff or the players, um, and you get an insight and a, a reminder of their thinking and uh, their issues. And it, it's it's not so much a formal or a professional role for me. It's much more an opportunity as a Christian, just as a Christian individual, to be salt and light in, a, uh, in the world. And so for me, it's a great place. It's been a real challenge to be a nobody uh, in that context. And when you're the minister, you know, you know, people are, you're the guy that gets up on a Sunday and they, you're generally, generally speaking, they, they want to see you and they want to hear you, uh, maybe not all the time. But in, it, it's very different to be a nobody and a volunteer in a, chaplaincy context where um, you know, a lot of the guys might not know what you're there, what you're doing uh, why you're there, nobody really cares about you as an individual in terms of your, your own life uh, as, so you go there very anonymously and uh, that's been a great benefit to me, a great challenge I've loved meeting the guys and getting to know them and the staff and uh, yeah, it's a good discipline Yeah Okay, um, we both live and work and minister in, in Scotland. Um, I don't want to be nationalist for the large end, but no, you know, we, we have a national identity. Um, one of our, the traits of us Scots is that we whine and, and we moan. We're really good at that. And uh, in fact, we're gold medalists at, at whining. Uh, is Scotland a good place to minister in at the moment in terms of gospel opportunities? Um, what, what's your thinking about that? Yeah, I, I'm not sure the connection between whining and gospel opportunities, but uh, I I think it's a great place to be. I think uh, there's a lot of challenges. We're post-Christian in every way, and uh, but the upcoming generations haven't really rejected the gospel. They've never heard it, so there's a, a great opportunity. There's a great challenge to us not to um, make presumptions and, and use biblical and churchy language with people who don't know anything. It's, it, we're having to strip back and think about the gospel and, and how to apply it in people's lives. Um, I 
I have great uh, friendship and fellowship with, with with leaders in other denominations and other churches, uh, and pray together with many of them. And I think there's great opportunity there. Some of the uh, with a small less sectarian stuff is is dissolved a wee bit, which is fantastic. Um, and I think there's a respect for the our own denomination, maybe in a way that sometimes there hasn't been in the past. Um, uh, and I, I think part of that is just a humble willingness to to participate with others and recognise their place. If we're going to reach Scotland, it's not going to be the free church alone for the, uh, by any means. It's going to need to be uh, God's people in all denominations and, and in independent churches and, and everything uh, all working, um, respecting, loving, blessing one another and working uh, in their own context to uh, bring the gospel. So I am very excited. I love it. There's a lot of challenges, but um, it's a great time to be to be living out the gospel. Yeah, in in, in mitigation and self defence, I think the connection between whinging and the gospel is that you know a lot of folk just whinge about the political situation, the social situation. That, you know things are not once the the way they were. Um, folk are you know get involved in a lot of almost political campaigns. Um, but it seems to me that your burden is to keep the main things the main thing. I mean, you're not going to stand up in a pulpit and whinge on about, you know, vaccines or uh, the low emission zone or environmentalism or any other hobby horse that anybody else happens to, to to jump on at the time. No, but I have been known to rage about the parking and outside St Columbus. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're all out a wee whinge occasionally. Um, we are both now in our 60s. Uh, we're old, old men. Old men with, uh, well, I've got white hair. Uh, mm. You you never have a bad hair day. That, I've that, been over here. <laughs> You've got a face for, for radio. Um, lots of changes. I mean, even this podcast that we're doing just now, 40 years ago, it would never have been thought possible. It was the stuff of science fiction. You know, looking into your phone and seeing a picture it was really amazing. Uh, as you look at the changes in ministry in the wider culture, I was going to ask you for three things that that, that strike you as being good and three things that are bad, being bad. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't pin you down to three. Generally, you just fire off some things that you think have been good. First of all, changes in in ministry. Give me some good things here. Let, let's let's get positive. Uh, uh, in a free church context? Yeah, we'll, we'll start off in a free church context because most of our constituents here are familiar with that. Yeah, I think uh, the ministry um, profile is now much broader. Um, we've got people from a lot of different backgrounds um, and I think that's great. Um, I think we can har- harness the best of our um traditional highland roots as it were which clearly was the case through the 20th century and we've been able to harness that um, uh, but at the same time broaden our appeal uh, to the wider Christian church I think um, that has happened over the last 20 years in, in, in a remarkable way um, so it's it's a broader church that in, in, in the best sense of, of that word uh, I think ministry is less formal um, and uh, 
the demands are very different. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not saying they're any easier. They're certainly very different. Um, and but I think that there's a great unity uh, by and large within the the free church ministry that people are are all heading the same direction. And I think that's great. And there's, there's great fellowship. There's great support. Um, there's a lot of ways in which we can help one another, um, and all of that is is good. Um, so yeah, I think from that point of view, uh, it's much more positive experience being a minister. Yeah, great. Okay, just uh, again moving on to other things. I mean, whenever folk talk about Derek, you talk about Derek and, and Katrina, and I'm really interested in that. We spoke earlier on about Sparkle Sisters stuff like that. Uh, you and Katrina have been involved in many ministries. Was it was this planned, or were you, to use a buzzword these days, intentional about that, or is it just the way you guys are wired? Um, I... I'm not sure if intentional is the right word from the beginning. Uh, intentionality uh, um, presupposes um, strategy and planning, and I'm not sure how much strategy and planning there was formally in our lives. But certainly, I mean, I grew up in a manse uh, where that was the model with my mum and dad, and Katrina would have seen that in her own uh, home church as well. And it was, in some ways, it was assumed. Uh, which is not a good thing, but right from the beginning, Katrina always felt that ministry, supporting me in ministry and being part of that was very much uh, the way forward. And we couldn't have imagined otherwise. Obviously, and Kenny and Rita and our, our first, uh, my first boss and his wife had that model very strongly. And obviously, with hospitality being a part, so much part of what we do, uh, it would be very difficult to envisage anything else. But I'm absolutely aware that that's not the same for everyone. Um, but it was a huge advantage to us. And uh, I think the danger sometimes is the con congregations presuming they're getting two workers um, when that might not be uh, what the, the individuals want or is best for them. So I think there needs to be sensitivity and communication and uh, wisdom on on all sides there. But for us, yeah, I, I certainly couldn't have done the work. I, I wouldn't still have been in ministry if it wasn't for Katrina's support over these years. Yeah. I mean, what about a couple who maybe the wife says, listen, um, I've got my own career. I just don't have the time to put into ministry. Is that legitimate or would you say that that couple should maybe reassess their values or would you say, listen, guys, it's it's really up to up to the individual to work that out in, in their own calling, in their own providence? Yeah, I mean, I th yeah, I, I would I would never um, question someone's call on that basis. I think uh, in every context, there's challenges to be overcome, and one of the challenges for ministers today is is, is financial, and and there's a recognition that that's, that wives in many cases, have to go out to work. Um, and so I think as long as it's well thought through and all the parties involved are aware of it and the expectations are clear, then there's no reason why it shouldn't work. Um, but again, it's, it swings and roundabouts and balances and um, we need to not presume on people's calling. 
if, if it's not there. Okay, I, again, just a, a couple of things be, before we, we move. One one of the things I, I admire about you, one of the many things, and, and I often you know, use you as an example, is I think you're very organised. I think your church is very organised. Um, although you may give this impression of, you know, uh, chaos, uh, a, a lot of the stuff is planned and there's a particular way you do things, a way the church does things. Things are nice, things are really ordered um again is that something that you, you you've cultivated or what's the balance between just sort of serendipitous you know uh, action and, and, and organization and planning um <laughs> that's a good question i think um again it's it's, it's probably a character trait more than i tend to be organized in my personal life or try to be in uh, Katrina might say I'm a bit OCD in some things so um, that would be one area where I think it's important as an organ you know as a church organization as a, a family if you want to call it that you, you need organization uh, and whether it's the minister does it or someone someone with an organizational gifts needs to be doing that uh, doesn't always need to ministers are not jack of all trades and some are uh, astonishingly disorganised um, in their lives. And that's that's fine, that's just their character. But someone needs to take on that role in the church because a church does need, I think, to be organised. And the most important thing in that is communication. Now, I'm sure we've fallen short in a lot of ways in St Columbus in terms of communication, but we've always tried, and I've always tried to make sure that uh, when we do change and we, when we do things and uh, when things happen, that the the people know about it and they're involved and they're communicated with. It doesn't always work uh, because uh, it's just very difficult to communicate to a body of people effectively and efficiently. But that's the aim. And uh, I think organisation then is part of that. People know what to expect. The downside of that is that the Holy Spirit, uh, while he's God is a God of order, He's also uh, an infinite God and a God who will take us by surprise. So we shouldn't be so bound by our organisation that it, uh, I think sometimes it just, we quench the spirit sometimes by by putting organisation above everything else. Yeah. Balance. Yeah. I love the old, Yiddi, the old Yiddish proverb that I've quoted a lot the last few weeks. If you want to give God a laugh, tell him your plans. Um, I think that's really quite quite opposite um just uh one more thing before we move on. another feature about saint columbus certainly in the early days is you, your elders were quite young um again to use the intentional word was that intentional or really that was just all you had in in the early days or was that a bit of both? yeah it was it was primarily necessity but um i had at least one retired uh, minister as an elder who was as young in heart as any of our younger guys, which was great. But uh, it was really a case of uh, it was younger guys that we had uh, and there was a lot of advantages in that, um, I think, but there's also disadvantages because when you're at that age, as a young man, um, many of them were uh, married uh, or in kind of busy times in their careers and in family life. So there's, there's again, it swings and balances. Um, and laterally, we've had the privilege of ordaining a number of older guys who bring 
uh, stability and wisdom and time uh, to uh, the um, the playing field, which is great. So I think a balance, uh, if it's possible, in eldership is really good, where you've got some of the younger guys who are maybe in the working world and thinking strategically and, and uh, aware of what's going on uh, in that world um, and can provide uh, insight and leadership. But there you've got other guys who are wiser and older. And again, it's that kind of family analogy. We learn from one another. Yeah. Okay, um, we're coming into land now, Derek. Thanks for, for your time. One, one last thing, I mean, uh, church planting is a faith mission. <laughs> it's a work of, of faith. Uh, you know, you, you don't have 10 years funding. Do you require money for your own support? Do you require money, money for your building development? If so, what are the needs? Because there's, you know, there, there's, there's hundreds, maybe even thousands, over a thousand people listening to this podcast. There's, a, there's someone out there with a checkbook just waiting to give you some money. <laughs> Uh, that would be amazing. Um, we do raise our own funds. We get help from the Free Church. Um, we've got great help from St. Columbus, which is remarkable, and from the wider Free Church. Uh, so the ministry costs, which would be my salary and the housing costs and everything, more or less covered for at least for year one. Um, and we're working on uh, future years and connection and cooperation with other denominations and churches, some in the States, some here. Um, we do have, have raised quite a lot for the building fund, but we're probably about uh, eighty or £90,000 short yet uh, on that, which we would really like to cover. Um, and if we got more, it would be well used um, to develop the, the building uh, in a way that would be appropriate for our ministry needs. So, yeah, we, we, we do need money for the buildings, especially, and, you know, ministry costs ongoing in, in the next few years. But God's been amazing so far, and uh, it's been a real um, eye-opener for me. I feel for these young guys that are having to do it when they plant churches. You know, I think they get a, 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 sometimes a... a a bad press for for wanting to do this, you know, amazing work and start fresh. It's it's right hard work, and um, raising your own funds is very stressful when you're young and you've got a young family and there's not a manse and there's not a church. I mean, I've started with lots and lots of advantages. So, uh, a shout out for the young guys and the not so young guys, maybe who are planting, and also uh, everyone who's serving. In, in their own context but we've all got our own battles and our own challenges and ministers aren't unique in any way and we need to just love and support one another great does the new church have a website up yet uh no not at the moment uh that that will come okay so watch watch this space if you want to contribute to the work of Hope Church Leith, um, feel free to email me, dcmeredith at freechurch.org, dcmeredith at freechurch.org, or our, our mission board mission at freechurch.org, and we will very happily put you in touch with the folk down at Hope Church Leith um, to, to help them raise the money for that great project. 
Derek, thank you for giving us your time today. Thank you, listeners, for coming back for this new series of the Healthy Gospel Church podcast. Apologies for a bit of sound turbulence halfway through. The connection up here in the mound in Edinburgh uh, isn't as good as you would think it would be. So we had a little bit of, of bumps. So thanks for sticking with us. And we look forward to seeing you next week. We release every Thursday for the next seven to eight weeks of our next exciting episode of the Healthy Gospel Church podcast. Have a great day and God bless. Thank you.